I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M This song is good. Hello and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our podcast, Growing Up With Galdem. On today's episode of Growing Up With Galdem, we are joined by none other than the incredible force that is Lady Phil, who is the heart of UK Black Pride, which is a safe space for so many of us. She's also the executive director of Kaleidoscope Trust, an organisation which works towards the liberation of LGBTQ people around the world. And is just generally a force and a community builder and an organiser and a public speaker touching on topics such as race and gender and sexuality and class. And she's also continues to use her platform and is regularly called upon to advise LGBTQ organisations around the world to help leaders create organising strategies and to establish robust partnership networks and work effectively in service of the LGBTQ community and very famously rejected an MBE. We are so excited to have you here with us today. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to be here with you guys, even if it is virtually. So thank you for having me. 
Yeah, it's not quite the same, but we have tried at least to create a semi-safe virtual space. So we, we hold these and I hope I hope the conversation goes that way today as well. One of the things I noticed having a little scroll through your profiles earlier today was that you were recently selected as one of the 100 Great Black Britons. And I know that this is a project that Patrick Vernon has been working on for many years I think actually because he did another one like years ago didn't he and I, I I know that you've received many plaudits in your life but was this a particularly special one for you what how did it feel to be on that list of 100? Well you know I always say that I don't do things for accolades at all because I think that sometimes it doesn't have substance and meaning behind it um, and not taking away anything that anyone's ever given me I respect that but this in particular has great Black Britons, I remember reading that list probably about oh five, six, seven years ago. And I remember seeing so many names on there, people who have inspired me, inspired my work, um, have motivated me. And to know at this, I'd like to say young age, but this is very <laughs> to be honoured, um, you know, to be on such a list with esteemed people. I you know, I'm grateful. I'm humbled. I'm, you know, I'm honoured. I, yeah, I feel lots of different emotions about that because, you know, lists are only as good as everyone who's doing the work that should be on them. Um, so I'm just hoping that this is a, a doorway for many, you know, other queer, black or lesbian women who are doing the work that, you know, don't have to apologize for who they are and they can be front and center and talk about their achievements because that's something we don't often do in the black community you know or the black queer community we don't talk about our achievements it's like we're not allowed to wear that badge of you know honor that we're so glad we've got to this stage and I think probably because we're always challenging the next thing and the next thing you know our struggle is ever so real but you know there's that saying don't give me my flowers when I'm dead you know make sure that you give my flowers now and that's what we should be doing for everyone you know recognizing and acknowledging um what they bring to the table because everybody is important in this journey yeah that's a, gr- a great phrase I think and I think Liv and I have also spoken in depth before about our mixed feelings towards lists and like how sometimes they can be really great conduits for conversation and and uplifting and giving people their flowers and on other occasions they can feel a bit more like nepotistic or just unhelpful yeah and I think I've 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 noticed you as well I've been at a few award ceremonies where you've been kind of awarded some sort of accolade and you've used that platform or that moment where you have an opportunity to talk about your work and and like, you know, what it means to receive that award, but also to spotlight other people who you feel should also be acknowledged for the work that that they do. And like Charlie says, um, yes, you know, it's 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 lovely to be commemorated on a list or, or or with an award. And it's also, you know, important that we think about who who is given space in those things. So yeah. Absolutely. And you know, and it's important to acknowledge others. You know, I always say no woman, no man, no person is an island by themselves. You know, I've not got to this stage because I'm the first one to do X, Y, and Z. I've got to this stage because, you know, whether it's ancestors and paths that we're following or whether it's those 
people whose shoulders we stand on that are giant. You know, we've got to our particular positioning because of what somebody else has done in front of us and for us. Thank you. We would love it if you would read out an extract from this incredible, powerful piece um, and then we're going to have a little bit of a conversation about it. So, my queerness is a compass, a spiritual marker. This way home, each explains and yet cannot be the other. Each requires a faith beyond comprehension, a blind trust in futures promised but not always delivered. Each defines literal interpretation, demands to be enjoyed in the abstract. Isn't that God? To centre our ministry in these monuments we call bodies is to the reject the force fed image of God as man, as white. It is to reject the God beaten into us by colonisers and to exercise the benevolent white Jesus sacrificing himself on a cross for those sins of the brown people. I'll stop there. You should have given me that warning. I was feeling all church inside here and I'm thinking, because often I write things and then I don't go back to them. It's like make a speech. People say to the video, I don't want to watch myself. I don't know what it is like often feel that oh my gosh I sound so nasally or did I really write that or oh my gosh you could have articulated yourself in a different way maybe that's just the imposter syndrome but really this extract that I just read I grew up in the church you know of two beautiful Ghanaian parents um mother who is at tolerance stage of me as a as a grown black lesbian woman And religion played such a huge part in my growing up, how I navigated spaces, who I spoke to, how they taught me, and what they said was right. I often feel that religion is something that, you know, the Bible is a book written by many people, and you can interpret it in the way you choose to. Sorry. No, I, I, I just wanted to say that because Iwen is in the call and I know that um, Iwen doesn't usually speak because she is the producer, but she recently made um, a, a film which like touches on some of these topics. So Iwen, if you want to jump in at any point, I feel like this was like meant to happen. <laughs> That's all I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen in and yeah, if there's anything that comes in. But yeah, I think everything that you do is is really important. And I think that religion has been used by the African community to also keep down queer people within the church as well. So my film is called Kenyan Christian Queer, and it just explores this idea of being African, being queer, and also being Christian and the struggle that comes from that. Oh, let's plug (laughs) that because I have an amazing friend called Jide McCauley who was recently ordained and I was, you know, able to go to his ordination and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to walk into the church. It's going to fall down because I've not been that great. However, you know, being back in the church, there was a sense of feeling connected And often, you know, we don't talk about reconciling our our faith, religion, belief with our sexuality or sexual orientation. And we're allowed to have both. You know, 
You can go to some church on Sunday and you can still twerk on Monday if you want to. There's nothing wrong in how we live our lives as long as we're not hurting other people. Yeah. And I guess the question I had for you was around how you currently identify, you know, do you call yourself a Christian? Do you feel comfortable with with labelling yourself as that? Because from that beautiful piece, I guess the question I had left was just around, yeah, like... It, the, the expansiveness you seem to have given yourself around spirituality and around religion seems almost to move beyond a specific religion. So I was just curious to know if, yeah, if you did still identify as Christian. You know, I say, and I think it depends on which spaces I'm in. You know, I will never denounce the fact that there's a higher being. Uh, you know, I will never denounce that there's a God. I think that some people have had such traumatic times with religion, with God, with Christianity, with Catholicism, with, you know, Judaism, whatever religion it is they're from, that I'm mindful of the spaces that I'm in. But I will always say that I'm spiritual and I grew up in the church. And, you know, was taught to read my Bible and understand scriptures. Um, yeah, it, it's a hard one, really. You know, if I come off this this call with you and I, I haven't told you that I'm a Christian, I'm going to feel like I've let myself down. But then if I do say I'm a Christian, I question what is Christianity? I'm not practicing. I don't go to church on Sunday religiously. You know, I do have a Bible in my home and I do talk about God. You know, I do pray. Um, so yeah, I guess it makes me a Christian, but I like to say I'm more spiritual than than anything else. There's one line in in this article that you've written that was really beautiful and stood out to me, and um, where you say, "I stepped out of the walls of the church and into the expansive ministry of my queer black body," and I find this idea of of the body as a site for spiritual growth and this and this idea of the internal work as much as the kind of external work to be interesting and I'm just curious to understand what made you kind of what has shaped your perspective in 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 that sense stepping out of the church not just literally stepping out of the church it was stepping away from things which felt triggering and traumatic which prevented me from being my true self you know I know we talk use this word authentic quite a lot but I felt like I was being disingenuous I was lying I was behind a mask one minute you know praising and worshipping and you know thanking God for this that and the other but couldn't speak about the many different facets of who I am and that's painful and you know it often leads to quite a soul-destroying dark place so stepping out of the church into my my body my queerness my blackness felt like freedom but at the same time, that freedom also was being a little bit strangled because you end up leaving some people behind or they end up leaving you because they're not accepting of, as they call it, quote unquote, your life choices. But for me, stepping out of the church wasn't a, a, a choice. It was something I needed to do to be real, to grow, to understand myself. 
and to stop being a bit of a wallflower and actually step into my purpose, which is what I think I do now. And I can still celebrate Christianity and that Jesus was born, I'll say in September, but you know, some people will say in December. And I can still celebrate that, but I can also talk about being black and queer and being a woman and the different struggles. The church is not talking about misogyny. It's not talking about misogynoir. It's not talking about the different forms of discrimination that we face because it's quite insular and limited, or the church that I went to, I should say. I don't want to generalise. It's quite limited in its approach. So anything that's limited in its approach, you're going to be limited in your you know, your vernacular, your approach to life itself. I wanted to ask sort of, just sort of touching on what you mentioned earlier about how in certain spaces you have to be mindful of your language when you're talking about your faith and and your religion. And I was just curious to know how, like in your experience of um, the black queer community, do you meet a lot of people similar to you in how they were once attached to a particular church and then left and refound their spirituality or their faith in a different way or do you find people who have fully turned away from religion and are sort of comfortable with that choice I just I wondered if there was a pattern or if it just is person by person different I think Charlie it's a it's a bit of both you know I think the younger generation I love how expressive they are I love that they own who they are in ways that I could never have imagined, you know, 20, 30, 35 years ago, if I was to say, I am not dealing with church, the Bible, oh my gosh, I would have had my hair shaven and been sent back to Ghana. You know, I, I, I think that that next generation is able to say, actually, I'm spiritual. You know, I want to get the sage and burn it through my house and have the incense. But more the older generation, some of them who have come out, come out later on in life, have veered away from their faith and belief. And that's because of what it taught them or how it taught them to be. And yeah, and some of that may be painful. So they've come away from the church completely. And then when you meet people like Jide, kind of restores some of your faith in humanity and the religion that you once knew because there were great aspects of it and I found myself in this church you know on the on the day he was being ordained singing the songs and the hymns and actually having a bit of a moment with myself so the time I walked out of the church into my body that body also walked back into that church as a very different person as a strong black woman who didn't fear what was on that other side. I hope that makes sense. And I know it makes sense for me. So, you know, poor listeners, if it doesn't make sense, we'll do this again. Any opportunity to speak with um, Gail then. <laughs> you, um, it's really interesting what you say about kind of, um, you know, intergenerationally, how, 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 things, how things might change and evolve. And I think it's really important that we hold space 
for those kind of conversations. And you, and you speak about this idea of queerness becoming like a marker of home, like feeling like you are home. And I feel like that is such a poignant point to make because it can often feel as though, you know, you 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 just have yourself, you know. And, and I just was curious to know about your journey, like your personal journey of kind of like self-discovery and queerness and what that road has been like. And I know that is a huge question, but maybe we can tap into it a little bit. <laughs> You know, often when I'm I'm asked to speak at certain places or um, or I'm going to be interviewed, one of the things that I do is I say to them, and what I'm not going to talk about is my coming out journey because I need to prepare me because my coming out journey was not one of oh I told my mum oh she was angry and that's it you know it was one of quite a turbulent time you know you would have thought I killed somebody in my family you know the way people reacted to what they see as life choices what I see as living and surviving so there's also something to remember that I was a young mother when I came out so I did what many of our I'd say our older generation did is conform to what society deemed as correct and right you know I never ever wanted to bring shame or you know dishonor on my family so I got into a relationship with um, a man who was a raster actually and you know my mum was like the two things you don't bring home you do not bring home a Nigerian man and you do not bring home a raster man and I was like mm. <laughs> and the family were like oh my gosh locks but yeah, so then I t completely flipped the script and then came out. So, yeah, my coming out journey, I think I'm asked, when did you know? I think sometimes we, until you get to know yourself, you always know that there was something different. You always know that you either love people or you don't, or you can feel a certain type of attraction to different people. But again, growing up in an African household, no one's teaching you about the birds and the bees. No one's teaching you about this is what good relationships look like. No one's teaching you that actually, you know, uh, we can love all different types of people, especially when it comes to, again, religion, your find in this man and woman to procreate, get married, have children, live their lives and send your children to uni to become doctors, lawyers and nurses and so forth. But my coming out just wasn't like that. I came out to a man who beat me black and blue because of his ego. And I don't talk, and this is why I don't talk about it, because, you know, there was violence, there was a volatile relationship, there was something that wasn't right. There was a lot of hurt and pain. There was a, a young woman within me who was learning how to be a mother, studying, working, two jobs, and trying to ask myself, is there a God, you know, if this keeps on happening? And then I went to this place with a work colleague called Hennel. There's a old-time nightclub called Hemel um, in Hemel Hempstead. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was such a dive. But, I mean, it was 
loads of white lesbians, some really, really butch, you know, some with chokers on. I, I don't think I've ever really been exposed to that. But I tell you what, I love every <laughs> minute of it. <laughs> I am Joan Armour trading, and I was seeing, you know, although there were white women, I was seeing them connect, dance, kiss, and hold each other. And I was like, I want some of that. I really do. And I was, my, my friend was white that I went with and um, started fancying her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me go down the line of asking, can you be pro-black and be a white woman? <laughs> Not that's a, that's a whole nother oh. show, right? <laughs> but she, yeah, so she was like the first woman that made me understand that it was okay for women and women to connect on a different level. It was okay for our bodies to be pressed up against each other, that, you know, the skies were not going to open and and come down on us. Then I came out and wrote a seven-page letter to my mum, my dad, my brothers and my sister and um, took three of my friends out for dinner and told them, and I came back with two friends, because one of them said that because of what I have chosen to do and the path I've gone down, her faith will not allow her to be my friend anymore. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot, and I sometimes wish I could write a book, but I don't know whether I'm strong enough to be able to note down all of those things. So... For me, my work that I do in the today is really about making sure that that young woman has space to be with chosen family, to be amongst people who care, about amongst people who will not judge, and that queerness can blossom and come through, as well as all the little things that we have to, well, massive things that we have to go through as black people, as people of colour. Yeah. What I was going to ask you was um, whether or not you have, have any piece of advice that you would give to your younger self, um, maybe specifically around your faith and, and, and queerness, as, as you've kind of touched upon. And, and yeah, I just think that it would be beautiful for, to hear. Because we, all, we always have, have things that we wish that we'd known, right? And I, I'd love to hear yours. Well, I would speak to my younger self I'd say you're not ever going to be alone and if you ever do feel alone there are so many people for you to reach out to that will show you love kindness compassion heart and there'll be some who are of faith that will be able to sit down and pray with you Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. When times feel hard, and there are some who are not of faith who will still embrace you in a spiritual way. But I think the thing that I really would want my younger self to know is that you're not alone. Do not, you do not have to suffer in silence. You know, you're able to embrace so many different parts of yourself. You know, learn to embrace your beautiful dark skin. Learn to embrace your big, beautiful black body, which is shaped in the way it's supposed to be shaped. Learn to embrace motherhood. You know, learn to embrace your faith if that's the route that you want to go down. But most importantly, I want you to love who you are because if you don't love you, nobody else is going to have space to be able to love you the way you want. And I think that's what I would want to tell my younger self. Yeah, that's that's really special. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of people will be able to sort of resonate with those words because I think we're in a an era of quite intense loneliness as well at the moment. And and yeah, it, it's true that like you pe- people love people and people want to help other people and, and there for anyone who's feeling a bit lonely at the moment, there will be people out there who, who will want to show you love and kindness. Um yeah. For sure. And I think, you know, what you were talking about earlier about, like, you know, making it your mission to actively carve out that space for community, not only for yourself, but for others is really powerful. And on that note, what do you think that your younger self would think about you, the, the woman that you are, the force that you are and the work that you're doing? 
my younger self would tell me now, and I and I say this because my younger self is my daughter who's 25. And she tells me, she tells me that she's proud of me. She tells me that, you know, she feels like she cannot fail because she's got me there front and centre. She tells me that, you know, I'm a beacon of strength and hope for her. She knows that she's got somebody to confide in. Yeah, she tells me that I'm a bit feisty and a bit rude. <laughs> I don't know where from because I'm I'm not. Um, of course. <laughs> but yeah, I think my younger self would be so happy about how I love my black skin. When I was younger, growing up in a predominantly white school, white area, you know, you're always picked on for colour of your skin and being a dark skin girl, you know, I didn't want them to see my parents. We would, my mum would come to school in the big African gele and, you know, and everything else and the sandals, whether it's winter, summer, spring or, or, or whenever. But I disliked being so dark skin because it was just always frowned upon. But now I can't get enough of it. I want to get darker. If there was a proper tanning place that I could go to to get darker that would help because I can't go to Barbados and Lucia, Ghana or Nigeria I would be there in a heartbeat because I love this melanin you know it is my DNA it's part of who I am it's part of the struggle it's part of the journey and being a woman who is black who is dark skin we're often seen as the lowest denominator and I don't see myself as that I see myself as, you know, goddess, empress. You know, if you ask me what my pronouns are, I will tell you it's she, her, but goddess, queen, be everything you need to call me because I'm so, so proud of who I am and who I've become. So I would hope my younger self would see that in me now. That is a perfect place to end. And I'm going to call you goddess from now on as well. Um, now that I know that those are your preferred pronouns um, but thank you so much for joining us so many kind of nuggets of wisdom and 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 thank you for sharing you know what are, what are oftentimes quite painful memories and experiences and, and traumatic ones um, as well as a lot of the joy and the celebration and the work that you're doing to uplift so yeah it's been wonderful to have you all three of you you know what keeps you doing what you're doing with Galvin what would you tell that next generation who are starting to listen to these conversations of how you're helping usualize the different topics of religion faith belief queerness lgbt you know race gender class all of those different facets what would you what drives you to keep on doing this work Thanks for flipping the questioning on us. We appreciate that. Love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> what inspires us or what motivates us to keep doing the work? I think for me, the biggest thing that kind of motivates me to do to do the work, I think with the work that we do, we're, we're, we're able to kind of like see the impact. We're able to see the impact in the community that surrounds us and in the stories that we're able to tell and like provide platform um, for other people to hear about and to see and to have visibility. And so for me, it's it's always, always, always has been about about the community that we've cultivated or that's naturally kind of 
emerged or evolved. Um, and I think it grows and it shapes and it changes as, as time progresses. But without that, there would be no purpose, you know? So I think for me, that's where it comes in. Yeah. <laughs> Liv has always been and will always be a people person and she loves bringing people in and and sort of nurturing them, I think. And that's not to say, say that I'm not a people person. <laughs> but perhaps not to the same degree. But I, I think for me... Um, it's it's always been about attempting to rectify something I feel to be so deeply wrong. Mm-hmm. Firstly, through the the very basic thing of like representation and growing up and and being a young black girl and a black mixed mixed race girl and 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 not seeing myself. And I know that everyone likes to like sort of shit on representation a bit these days. And that, but I I still you know I still think it's super important for us to be there for people um, to look up to. But beyond that, obviously as you guys know the media industry is a nonsense and and like I would just love for us in 20 years to look back and be like okay Gardon was at the forefront of a massive change and now we can look around at the media industry in the UK and and see all different types of stories to to see real change and to not for it not to be led by like right-wing nut jobs yeah yes (laughs) I would you want to add anything um, no, I think similar to um, Charlie, it's it's just this idea of growing up in the UK in the late 80s and 90s was just traumatic if you were black and particularly if you were African. And so for me, it's it's all about trying to do something now that my 50, 60 year old self will say you did good and what you did had an impact and being able to look at the industry that I'm in, particularly behind the scenes, because there aren't enough of us behind the scenes as technicians, as camera ops, as directors and that sort of thing. And being able to look back and say, because of the work that I did with people like Galdem, there are young black women all over the industry, editing, producing, writing, directing, that sort of thing. And so I think that that's the thing that drives me to get up every day and do what I do. And so the work that I do with Gaudem is like really important to me because I feel like I'm kind of behind the scenes and I'm just like pushing and just, do you know what I mean? And just trying to do my bit to, to kind of help with that message. I love this. You better make sure that that's featured in this because for me, you are the next generation, right? And that intergenerational conversation that, needs to be had that is being had is what drives me to do better you know there's a saying and Liv's heard it before you do not inherit this land from your parents you borrow it from the next generation so it's up to all of us to create to fertilize that ground to make sure that that next generation has these safe spaces with Gaudem, with UK Black Pride, with AZ Mag, whoever it may be, we need to make sure that we're not struggling in 10 years' time the same way we're struggling now. So thank you. Thank you so much. Can Can I ask one question, please? So, you know, you kind of hinted at this and you said, because you're kind of really the only kind of Black queer woman that I know who's like, I guess, ahead of me in terms of like experience and, and that sort of thing. Um, but can you be pro-black and date a white woman? <laughs> because <laughs> I, 
I'm, I'm just going to be for a friend, I promise. <laughs> yeah, okay. But look, I, ooh, look, I think that you can't be pro-black if you're a capitalist, right? You can't be pro-black if if you don't understand socialism uh, or pan-Africanism. But being in a relationship with um, a white comrade, colleague, another person who is non-black will present challenges. But love is love, right? Love is absolutely love. And I think we should be able to love whoever we want. And as queer people, we're often told, how dare you be with another person of the same sex? So who am I to judge anybody on being with a, a person who's different? But I do think that those challenges that are presented around language, cultural differences, behaviours, understanding the historical context of colonialism and how it Im impacts us today, colonial era laws that reside and exist in countries, will my white comrade or my white girlfriend or my white partner understand that fully? No, they'll never understand it fully. But we can go a long way to probably understanding each other. But would I be pro-black? I think that that's another session because I'm not entirely sure that if I had ever tried to stay with my very first partner, that I would be doing UK Black Pride or that I would be speaking about the struggles we face day in, day out in the way I do. You know, Audrey Lord talks about, about self-editing and the way we have edited ourselves in particular spaces. With a white partner, there may be times that I would have to edit myself because, one, she wouldn't understand my language and I wouldn't want her to feel left out. But, two, I also... If I love someone, I don't want you to feel bad. And I may talk about racism in a way that feels palatable for you. And that will mean that I'm editing what I need to say and do. But that's just my that's just my thoughts. But yeah, I still didn't answer your question. It's complicated. No, you didn't. I love that. So politician-like. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, th I think it's such an interesting topic, isn't it? Because I think with even the most well-meaning of person, as you say, and I've dated the most well-meaning of, of white people in, in guy form as well. Um, and, and yeah, there is, there's still like this fundamental thing which has to be explained. And I think you don't have that in the same way when you are dating a black woman, for example. But that's all. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> yeah. I guess I can I can chime in from the perspective of being mixed <laughs> in that obviously one of my parents is white and I think it's a, a lot more complicated than a lot of Twitter threads would have you believe, certainly. And I think I personally believe that you can be pro black and, and date white people, but I think that they have to be a special kind of person. Yeah pretty much is, is the answer to that. Also, I'm, I'm not approaching this from like an academic perspective and I'm sure there's lots of academic literature and conversations happening that are way above my head. So, yeah. 
We're, we're, we're still allowed to have um, opinions that are just our opinions. It's okay. <laughs> a really good sort of private roundtable conversation. 15, 16 years ago, when I was running Block Black Lesbians in the UK, we would have roundtable discussions about everything from how women and women have sex um, to do uh, white women and black women together in an interracial relationship. Is it different? You know, um, and, and, it, and it can be sometimes different. And I say this because as black people, we haven't always been expressive with sex, with intimacy, with connection. Um, and yeah, some of those conversations we had were wild, but it was private. And nobody was judged, you know, for what they said. And it wasn't about having an academic point of view. It was just about how we feel and we'd leave it on the table and discuss it and walk away from it, you know, picking up a few pointers but we were not judging Can I ask one more question? Because I don't know when I'll ever get to speak to you again, Lady Phil. And you're like incredibly important, like in my whole sort of sphere of just existence as a black queer woman. Um, my question was to do with the religious thing is, do you feel like you're still unlearning some of the negativities that were put into you by the church and the African household in which you grew up in, do you feel like you're still unlearning that now? Do you think it's something you'll continue to unlearn for the rest of your life? Or do you think there's a point at which you know, okay, yeah, I'm free from all of that baggage? I'm still unlearning. I think that I'll be unlearning till the day, you know, my my energy goes to wherever it needs to go to. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's a huge question, but... When when are we going to be free? And I think that there are so many things that we need freedom from and religion, faith and belief and the negative aspects of it is just a small fraction of, you know, even post-traumatic stress that has lingered right from enslavement to slavery to today's society in schools, hospitals, universities, that there's so much to unlearn and to change and to be better and do better that, you know, I think it's when we're laid to rest that we're free from things. And now I'm sounding like I'm definitely reading from the Bible, but I, yeah, unlearning is a growth um, just like learning is, you know, they say knowledge is power, power is, you know, knowledge, Michael Foucault, but we never stop learning. Some of us stop unlearning because we think we know it all, but our journeys should tell us that there are things to unlearn because nobody's perfect. This is great. This was amazing. <laughs> this was a beautiful thing to do in Black History Month because every day is Black History Month for us anyway. Um, this is a this is such a beautiful space um, to have four black people, black women sitting down and, and have nurturing these really important conversations. I think, yeah, beautiful and and so so wonderful to hear um, I won as well speak um, and ask questions and share because 
yeah, we don't we don't ordinarily have that. So thank you. And it would be it would be Lady Phil that would get all of us to be talking as much as yeah, thank you so much. No, thank you. And keep on doing what you do with Galdem. I'm so, so proud of you all. And you know, if there's anything UK Black Pride can do to support, reach out. Right now it's got to be about collaboration, connection and compassion towards each other. So yeah. And we're here for you too. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you so much. What did it feel like to to sort of hear her talk about about religion and faith and it being something that you've spent a lot of time reflecting on in in your own work, Owen? Um, It was powerful for me because I guess our experiences are very similar in the sense that, I mean, I'm Nigerian. I know Nigerians have beef with Ghanaians, but, you know, very similar experiences um, growing up in an African household. Um, so you've got the, a double whammy of the highly traditional African parent and then the intense fundamentalist Pentecostal African sort of version of Christianity as well. So it's like being hit on the head with, with two mallets, you know. And so hearing her reflect on that was really quite refreshing and kind of gave me hope because if someone like herself can come out of that and be what she is then obviously I know that I can also grow in that capacity and then it also gives me hope for the next generations who are obviously expressing themselves in in other ways and just yeah I guess they've got shoulders to stand on they can stand on the shoulders of a giant like Lady Phil and that gives me great hope. Beautifully put. Obviously, your background is is Buddhist, and so from what I understand, it there's not anything in particular there that would need to be unlearned around queerness. But your relationship with spirituality has definitely changed over the time that I've known you, and I was just curious to know, like, how it was to hear how how much of you related to what she said about blackness and queerness and and spirituality. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely come more into some sort of spiritual practice um you know at this I was going to say later in life and that's just doesn't that's just <laughs> literally <laughs> 26 right? I mean in this stage <laughs> of my life um and, and I think and I think it happened at the right time because I mean like like you said I grew up grown up in a Buddhist household my mum's been practicing Buddhism for 30 years and it's something that I've dipped in and out with but it's really in the past kind of few years that I felt that that was something that was important for me to have in terms of a spiritual practice of course I also fell in love with a, a, a black woman who is a spiritual practitioner and does that work. So I think things definitely align. But for me personally, I think at this stage in my life, you know, given the fact that I am going through a continuous process of unlearning and therapy and 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 real self-reflection and development, I think especially this year, I think as a lot of people have, it's been it's been such an integral thing for me to have and for me to to refer to. So yeah, definitely I think everything that she was saying was powerful and and whether I'm in a professional context with her, you know, hearing about her journey or a personal context, hearing about her journey and speaking, I feel I feel equally as inspired and as energized and as safe and as held as well. I must say, you know, she's someone that just makes space for you to to feel held. And I, I think I often think I want to make sure that she has that as well, because she provides such an important space for so many. But yeah, that's it. What are your kind of lingering thoughts, Charlie? I think the piece that she wrote was was really beautiful and I think it was a really refreshing way to hear someone talk about their um connection to spirituality. Um as as you know, Liv, like I'm I'm not 
religious and I'm not particularly spiritual. I'm working on you, but it's fine. And I think that, you know, growing up, if anything, I had, I was like anti-theist. Like I, I actively, you know, thought religion was super evil. And, um, and I think for me in the past few years, I've definitely developed a lot more respect towards spirituality and religion in a way that I did not have before at all like I was very sort of dismissive and that's not to say I don't think there's a lot to criticize about religion and 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 things but it's more to say that like I I completely understand and respect people people's religions and their spirituality in a way that I perhaps didn't when I was younger um which I think is really positive and so uh, yeah I mean but just you know everything that she was saying about her journey and how open she was and 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 as you said how held she makes you feel just like even in those small touches of like turning the questions back on us right at the end there like it's it's just a reminder that like we can all do better at like bringing people in and and showing love to people in these because we're yeah like we are in really special positions in the creative industries and like yeah let's just always keep that what was the things that she said at the end compassion collaboration and kindness I don't know there was three c's I think there are three c's yeah yeah that's okay we're close and to keep them at the forefront of our minds when when we have the power to do so i think it's it's really cool thing to do yeah basically we're all feeling very loved up and like we have a lot to go away and reflect on so yeah that this was great and and i when you're gonna have to join us for more more of these chats as and when (laughs) (laughs) Anytime, anything, anytime. Cool. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Growing Up with Galdem. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed it and that you've been enjoying the series so far. Um, you can take a look at Galdem's website to read more of our important and timely journalism and also support us through becoming a Galdem member. And we hope that you will subscribe to the podcast. You'll tell your friends about the podcast and that you will keep listening and that we will meet you back here again next week. Thank you so much. This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next one. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review, rate us and subscribe. It really helps the show. And if you'd like to find out more about Galdem, you can head over to our Instagram page at Galdemzine. That's G-A-L-D-E-M-Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website, which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com. Galdem has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultrasoft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.